Good morning and happy Sabbath. I am a man. I am a man. And I've had one wife for more than 26 years. The Supreme Court cannot tell me how to love my wife or the laws of the land cannot change my mind how I see my role as a husband and father because I'm following God's words. Is that okay if I speak from God's words today? Briefly, about 15, 20 minutes. I have a powerful word for our men today, young men today, mothers who are raising boys today. I have a powerful, powerful word from the passive passage we just read. One of the things I really want you to do, I believe in having the feedback. I strongly believe in having you write, take some notes, so you can share what I'm going to share with you with others. There are really about three great points that I'm going to share with you. And within this scripture right here, chapter 14, chapter 14 talks about when uh, the waters were divided in Exodus. The children of Israel already left, and now they were faced with some uncertainties in life. Have you ever been faced with uncertainties in life? The greatest thing, one of the funniest things, my wife and I, we have almost two, we have, we have a grown daughter. She is starting to see the things that we were talking about when she went through her crazy years of the teens. You know the teens that go through those crazy years? It's coming to light that the things that she used to say and do, now that she's in leadership position and on her job, she started to question a lot of these same things. And she had forgotten that she had some of those tendencies. But God is very good at bringing things out of you to prepare you early in life so you can do some, some things for him later. Here in chapter 14, we're going to talk about the strategies for being strong when uncertainty is before you. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for touching our lives. We thank you for the word for today. And I thank you for giving me the word to share with the family members here. May we not harden our hearts, Father, but listen closely and intently to your words and the message from above. Father, I get out of the way so you can speak to the congregation this morning. In the name we pray. Amen. The funny thing about running, people often ask for freedom and people often ask to do things and want God to get them out of situations that sometimes they don't understand the big picture. The Israelites wanted freedom. Are you familiar with the story? Running, getting away, you've been captive in Egypt over 400 years, and now all of a sudden you have your freedom. You have the freedom. Let me talk about the mindset. You talk about the freedom. The mindset, when you want freedom, sometimes you're not willing to pay the cost. I've heard people say, I don't, I'm not ready to join the church because I'm not really ready to give something up. And so there's a freedom. If you've ever been in D.C. And, and, and you go and see, the not the tomb, the walls of some of the soldiers, there's a little caption down there that says freedom isn't always free. There's a cost you have to pay. And so down there, when the, uh, the Israelites got their freedom, they got in the middle of the wilderness and they started to do what? Complain. In verse 13, they even said, it was better that you had left us where? In Egypt. Now, isn't that something? Back during the Civil War, after the Civil War and slavery was being abolished, there were some slaves, slavery time, who refused to migrate and didn't understand what freedom looked like. 
because it was better in the land where they had everything going. I don't have to work hard and I don't have to deal uh, to provide for myself. I prefer to be in cap. I prefer to be captive than be free. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you you go and hear this speaker, this motivational speaker, someone talking to you, and they tell you just free your mind? These are the type of things where the Israelites weren't used to freeing their mind because the only thing they knew was captivity. Have you ever got in your car before and you, and you were driving somewhere and you realized this is not where I was going? I was going to uh, in Orlando. It was so fun. It was I had a meeting at a school and I don't even know how I ended up at Mount Sinai Church. It was just out of habit, just a routine. We get up every Sabbath. We get up on the weekends. We had a meeting and you end up in the parking lot and you say, why am I here? Only to realize you're in the wrong place. Have, oh, am, am I the only one that it happened to? Y'all can just let me stand here by myself. That's all right. And it's funny. We are creatures of habit. How do you train men to stand up and be men of God? Years ago, when I, and I told you, I've been doing men workshop for so many years. Here's the funny thing. Years ago, when I used to ask our young men and men, name just one positive dad on television. One positive dad that you can look up and say, that's the kind of man I want my son to grow up to be like. I'm talking about a TV show, a movie. Can anyone help me? It's just a test question. Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was number one. Bill Cosby. The character of Heathcliff Huxtable. His character was the ideal, the epitome of what a good man looked like. Okay? Well, how many years are we talking about? How many years ago was your show on? Let's say 30. 83, 85? Right, Miss Epps? I'm so sorry. Have y'all, that's my wife right here. She's sitting. Hey, Miss Epps. We introduced and forgot to have her stand. She loves to stand. No, she doesn't. <laughs> Give me someone within the last 10 years. Give me a good father within the last 10 years. Anyone? You think you know what? Yeah, on TV? I like your answer. He said, Jesus. Any other character on TV? The problem is, uh, society in Hollywood is trying to redefine what the role of men. And what you see on TV, it doesn't take long for you to watch something of interest, and then you see it turns into something sexual. Has nothing to do with the script, the character, nothing. The problem, what our young men are looking at now, what they're seeing on TV, is a, is a redefinition of what society is calling men. And I'm telling you, you need to pull away from that and turn that television off and get back into God's word. He will tell you the role of men. It's a very easy one. There are some men in this church that our young men can look to and young men can feed off each other while iron sharpens iron. I want you to look to one another because society can call a marriage whatever they want. We're not going to listen to that. We're going to listen to what God says a marriage is. I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to follow that. And so we want to look at this. Let's get in God's word. The role of men, they were workers, they were builders, they, were, they did everything uh, that God wanted them to do. And Pharaoh was angry that the people were able to escape, not escape, to be captive, that it hit him later that, what have I done? I'm going after these people and I'm going to do something about it. Do you think he was going to try to convince him he was going to ride with 600 chariots to try to catch these people? Can you come back? You know, I think I made a mistake. 
Uh, I'm going to give you better wages. You're going to get Sabbath off. and off. Do, do you think that was his aim? His aim was to do what? Take them out. Yeah. I'm going to, if you don't want to come back, I'm going to kill you. And guarantee you, there were a whole lot of them were willing to go back. You believe that? The mindset. The fixed mindset is very dangerous when you're trying to have growth in production, especially in a church. Especially in a church. I often say it and I joke about it. Let the school, let the church board try to vote on a different color for the carpet. That may take you about a, a year. Somebody likes this color. Someone wants red. In the pews. Um, in some lights. Or some drums. Or a synthesizer. Or a violin. Or a certain person who looks a certain way. We said we, we work with the homeless and and the people who don't look like us, let them walk through the door and let's invite them to be part of our church and their children part of our school and part of our the mindset. We say we want to grow as Christians, but do we really? Do we really? The people say, I want to be free. The men say, I want to be free. But do it. Do I really? You ever met anyone been unemployed for 20 years? They often say, well, Trying to find a job is rough out there. And you say, you know what? I can help you with a job. I can show you where you can go and get about five or six. No, I'm looking for a certain type of job. The mindset is I'm going to only work for what I want. And I'm only want the money that I want. We have men who have to stand up and be men who take care of responsibility. You have to do the right thing. When God said he's going to open some doors for you, he really is going to open doors for you. The mindset of the Israelites is let my people go. And they said, we want to go. But then they got out in the wilderness and they started complaining. You're not feeding me. You're not taking care of me. Where are we going? It looks confusing. Let me go down to, to verse 13. God's challenge to men. The first thing, look at verse 13. Let me put my glasses on for a second. Don't laugh. I'll take them off. And Moses said unto the people, what did he say? Three, the next three words. Fear ye not. What are you afraid of? What, 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 what about what's around the corner or over the hill in the desert that you were uncertain about? And so he looked at these things and he said, fear ye not, because fear had crept into the mind. Did you realize that as you live, young people, that it doesn't take just like you have gossipers among the groups on social media? Some of us older folk can start some rumors and uncertainties among the, the, the mixes. The masses. And we have to make sure that we have our heads together. So I want to tell you, fear not. There are some things in your life that you have been facing or running from for many, many years saying that I'm afraid of it. Commitment. Commitment. Getting a job. Getting married. Doing the right thing. Being honest. Being loyal. Coming to church. Being committed to do God's word and living according to God's word, that's what we have to step up. What are you afraid of today? My wife and I were just talking and said, it's funny that how many people are really afraid of spiders. Anybody have a phobia of spiders? I tell you, I mean, I was a crazy kid when I was in college. Not crazy as in, I, my roommate was afraid of spiders. And I had another one that was a, just ooh, deathly afraid of cats. And it was a boring day. Y'all have to understand, not the, not the elder elves you see now, but I was 20, 19, 
We found a cat on campus. I don't know why it was there. It needed a home. And so we, let me finish the story. Now you, I didn't do anything wrong. So we got the cat and trying to find it a home. Isn't that a good thing? So my intentions were good, right? So who said no? So my roommate, my, not my other roommate, my other partner on the track team, we knew he was afraid of cats and we intentionally got the cat and put it in his dorm room. And we, no, we were trying to help him overcome that fear. Is that how you do it? That's not how you do it. And my other partner, who was much faster than I was in track, he didn't have to see the spider. You had to just mention that you have a spider and said, are you afraid of this type of spider? And you could just hold your fingers like that and just start chasing him. He would run like you had a knife or a monster or Freddy Krueger. Somebody was chasing him. But that's all you have to do. Say, hey, Jesse, look at this spider. He would take off. And I was just, you know, just that fear. I guarantee you, as of today, He's 55 years old. I guarantee he still has his phobia, his fear of. So as we look at our lives for the past 20, 30 years, what is, what's in our lives that we're afraid of? That caused us to be fearful? Making solid decisions? Living for Christ every day? They were facing uncertainty because they weren't used to living in those kind of conditions out in the woods. Have you ever been camping before? And my wife and I both have been Deputy directors with the Pathfinder Club, and we've been camping in the rain and, and you name it, flooding. We, we've seen it all. You know, sometimes camping can be very harsh, but we didn't, they didn't have the tents like we had. We have a fancy Hillary tent. If you ever, that's that, you know, you can handle some of the weather and thermal blankets and all of that. The Israelites didn't have that. So they had some uncertainty because of lifestyle change. So he says, fear not. Because with this fear, they had a river in front of them, an army behind them, and the Red Sea on both sides of them. They had uncertainty in the front of them. They didn't know what to do. I have never seen this type of, 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 of uh, um, uh, uncertainty in my life, and they wanted to go back to where it was safe and sound. So the first thing that Moses tell, told the people, it says, fear ye not. Number one, fear ye not. We're going to move forward. The second thing he told them was to do what? Stand still. Stand still. Because when people are afraid, they become busybodies. They have engineers. Men have to stand up. And if you say you're going to stand and this is going to be your wife and this is going to be the love of your life. And you say you're going to believe in this and you're a member of the First Church, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And you're one of the elders and the deacons and the door greeters or the musicians or the technicians. Whatever you do, do it to the honor and glory of God. If you get discouraged, seek help. The last and the worst thing you can do with any organized uh, organization, structured organization, is to have fear and to start running because you're going to run into trouble. It's called stirring the pot, and we don't know how to do that. You have to stand still. Stand still and know that God is there and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, salvation simply says, I'm going to free you from some of your hardship. I'm going to free you from you, not some your hardships. I'm going to free you from that. Salvation said you're free from that pain. I'm going to take it from you. And so here are the people out there running around trying to stir the pot. How do we as men show our strength when it comes to being men in the home? And we have to do that. So stand still. Number three. It's what God stepped in. The Lord, God stepped in and says, you know what? Stop crying. I'm down at verse 15. It says, stop crying. 
Get up and go forward. You have to get up and go forward. You have to continue to do what God says to do. There are a lot of times in our life, young people, I just want you to know that life, you may think it's tough now, but it's going to continue to be like this. And you got to know how to react to things. And so on your job, people often say not not what you say, but how you react to certain things. So if they you ever heard anybody try to set you up, try to get you to say something crazy, it's going to happen. So you have to be prayed up. You can't be afraid of anything. You have to stand still and know that God would take care of you. But you can't you can't can't you can't whine. You can't complain and, and oh, they're going to hold me back and they after me. It seems like that. But God said, I want you to know that I won't take you anywhere and leave you uh, stranded. God wants you to know that regardless of what you see, he sees the bigger picture. And so when I talk to men, when I talk to young men, when I talk to mothers and grandmothers and brothers and sisters, I want you to know that God is in control. So regardless of what society is saying or has said, I want you to understand you have to stand firm on God's word and you have to be prayed up. and You have to study his word because those words for those who live long enough. God's word is the thing that has kept us from going off of somebody or doing something stupid on the job or even in our home. God's word through prayer. Lord, I don't know what else to do. You got to help me with this because I don't know how people make it without God in today's time. I just don't know how. I don't know how. Where do they go? I'm not going to drink. I'm not smoking anything. I'm not going to hurt anyone. I'm not going to buy a gun and go after someone. I turn it over to God. My emotions are the same as theirs. I've turned it over to God because my mindset has shifted saying that it's not my problem. God will say he will handle that. The battle is not mine. It's who? It's the Lord's. And we have to keep that in mind. So that the first thing is to do what? Fear not. The second thing, stand still. The third one, stop crying, get up, and go forward. Because we have a mission. We have a mission in this church. We have a mission in this community. One of the first time I visited this church, it was a young lady. I don't even know if she's where she is now, but she was talking about the little Ziploc bags of things she hands out. You remember that? Y'all remember? Sister, Sister Lowe. Yeah, the, the bag. And it, and it reminded me, because when I was in Mount Sinai, one of the older ladies in the church, she had a brown bag ministry. And all the, the older ladies used to make sandwiches and, and put tracks in it. And then right after Sabbath school, uh, we will go out. They will go out more than I do. I went out several times with the, my, my young people just to go out to the homeless and people sitting around and God loves you and happy Sabbath. And it wasn't a, a, a time to preach a long sermon. We just said because we saw they were homeless. And right now, hearing the sermon, some of them wanted that. The other one wanted some food and something to read. And so it was a brown bag. Give it to them. God loves you and so do I. How you doing? And then we would get in the car, pray with them, and then we would leave. Because they have so many of these shelters around Orlando. So I, that's what I, I've done. And, and my daughters have seen that. And so they are not afraid of this stuff. So, But there are so many things you can do. So when you stop crying and you look and say, you know what, it's not about me. Lord, what, what, what can I do in this church? What can I do in this community? Because look around. If you've ever been in a foreign country, a third world or a fourth world country, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've been stuck in America and you've never really traveled, you won't know what I'm talking about. When I was in the Navy, I went to Pakistan. 
And I'm closing. I went to Pakistan and I saw uh, this river right in the middle of Karachi, Pakistan. And I'm sitting there looking. I saw the kid. He was out there in the water playing. But I guarantee you, probably about 10 yards down, maybe 15, there was a cow in the same water. And they had another lady, she was washing her clothes. And it was a filthy, not a river, it was just a stream running through the city off in one of these neighborhoods. And this kid, that was all, that was the only water they had. So you would drink from this water, you would bathe your animals in this water, you would wash your hair in this water. It was there. If you ever travel into some other parts of the country, you know what I'm talking about. So we have no reason to stop and start crying and whining when God has blessed us beyond measure. Beyond measure. So, man, my challenge to you is to stand up and be strong. Know who you can go to in this church or in the community and pray with and talk with and get things done. Not everyone can try to do the same thing. Some of you have a ministry, different ministries. So if it's on your heart and God tapped you on the shoulder and said, son, I want you to do this, do it. Do it. Who can the young men go to? Who are the young ladies and women in the church saying, you know what? That's a man of God right there. Who can you go to? And so we have to be that person. And so God wants us to be strong. So God says, stand still, man, and serve him with gladness. And do what he needs to do. Be strong. That's my challenge to you. I'm, I am a man. Are you a man? I am a man. The man of one wife for 26 years. Nothing on the side. One wife. I am a man. And I love my wife. Like I open it, I'm going to close. Man can, the world cannot define who I am. I don't need television to know what the word has told me and taught me on how to be a man of God. It's here. But I'm going to tell you, I also lean on my brothers. We call and we talk. There are times when I need the support and they need support. So men, stand up, be strong. Be the examples in the home for your child and wife. And if you don't have those significant others, friends can look up to you and say, I know that person. He is a man of God. Thank you.